Hello Gems! Welcome to another episode of Tiaras and Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking about promoting mental health awareness. I'm a huge supporter of mental health initiatives because I have struggled with anxiety and bipolar disorder all my life. In this episode, I will share with you a completely open discussion of my experiences with mental health disorders and how they affected my career. This is also a good episode if you do not have mental health disorders, and I'll talk about how you can support people who do. I have to give you a trigger warning. I will talk about sexual harassment, assault, and suicide. If you're struggling with your mental health, there are resources to help you. In the U.S., there's a list of resources on cdc.gov and nami.org, that's N-A-M-I dot org. There will be links to resources for other countries in the show notes. I think it's really important that we talk about these things because no one pretends to struggle with mental illness if they have one. We pretend everything is okay when it's not. You are not alone. I hope you find this episode informational and that it helps you to understand mental illness. On to the episode. So I mentioned that I uh, stutter. Um, It is a moderate stutter, but it's the type of thing where from a very early age, I was told that I wasn't normal and that I had to go to speech therapy to fix the problem. So that didn't really set me up for good mental health in my life. And then genetically, I'm... um, I have a history in my family of anxiety um, and depression. I myself uh, have been diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder and bipolar disorder as well. Um, this was all, this all happened, uh, when I was in high school, I guess, is the first time I had my real big meltdown. Um, and I was feeling, um, the effects of mood swings. As a person who is bipolar, I, um, I tend to have very extreme lows and very extreme highs. Now, the highs have really um, helped me in life a lot. You know, sometimes I could have um, this, you know, charisma and I can, you know, talk to anybody and I'm confident and I'm just there. But that can quickly spiral out of control into um, screaming fits. I've had that, my poor neighbors, Um, especially last year with COVID, which is why I think this topic is so important now, because one of the things that a worldwide pandemic has done um, for people is that we are all kind of experiencing the same stuff. I have had conversations with people who had never experienced anxiety before in their lives and were like, what is this? What is this I'm feeling? I hate this. And then when they realize that I, that happens to me almost every single day, I have panic attacks, like really, really bad ones. It's a wonder that I'm a speaker and all of that. But you know, for me, it's easier to speak into a microphone because I pretend I'm talking to one person. So I, a lot of the pressure is off. Anyway, um, so yeah, my first real experience with mental health, uh, I was in high school, I was um, just overly stressed with everything. I was one of those uh, people who was in a whole lot of clubs and I had like activities and stuff. And I think I was just doing too much. And then um, I felt 
suicidal. I felt like I wanted to step out of my window of my parents' house and just jump. But our house wasn't large enough for that to have an impact beside me probably breaking my legs. Um, but that um, scared my parents enough to have me hospitalized for the first time. Um, I wasn't only in for suicide, I also had, um, it's called body dysmorphia. Um, so I hated how I looked as a teenager. I mean, who doesn't, you know, what teenager looks at their body and is like, yeah, all right. I wish I had because, yeah, like who wouldn't want to look that way? Um, so I um, was also anorexic as well. When I was 14, um, I weighed 95 pounds. Um, I am... 5'2", so, you know, I'm short. That's not, like, emaciated just yet, but I was heading there, so I was hospitalized for that. And, of course, as a teenager who is experiencing this stuff and having her, her parents um, tell her to, you know, attend therapy or whatever, I didn't want to. I <laughs> rejected the whole thing. But that was the first time that I was diagnosed. Um, so then once I got out of school um, and after college, I had to start to look for jobs. Um, I was in the care of a psychiatrist most of the time um, up until my mid-20s when I just decided I'm fine, I'm, I'm not bipolar. This is a very common symptom of people that are bipolar. Once our meds start to work, then we think the psychiatrist is crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. I am here to tell you, if you have a mental illness, there is nothing wrong with you. You're experiencing something that a lot of people experience and you are not alone. And if you have a mental illness and are trying to balance uh, treatment and your career at the same time, that is a recipe for disaster. So um, one of the things that having these disorders, um, it has impacted me because I have played job roulette my entire career. This is also another symptom of mental illness, that it is hard to keep a job. You can find a job and, and act, you know, charming for the interview process. And then the first two weeks, a couple months, maybe. And then after that, I just lost it. I would feel like, um, you know, at times my stutter was more severe. Um, right now, it's pretty controlled. Um, and that would impact um, presentations. So I've had multiple jobs where I was asked to give a presentation to a client or even internally, and I just seized up. I couldn't um, not stutter. And I didn't used to tell people I stuttered. I used to, you know, hide it um, because mine is moderate, so it's not so um, noticeable to an untrained ear. And I would have these experiences where I would do presentations that didn't go well, and these places would literally fire me the next day. This happened to me multiple times, at least three that I can remember. And I think that the others, I just don't want to remember. There are so many. I've had 22 jobs in my career. 
And I tried to be an entrepreneur multiple times. I'm finally successful. Um, but it, it took, it took a lot, you know, um, and I have had some very low lows in my career overall. Um, when you're feeling like that, your confidence level just dips. And sometimes you have no confidence at all. I can remember in 2008, during the, you know, economic crisis, I've, I've been through three, I don't know about you guys. Um, so during that time, I was unemployed for 10 months. Now that wasn't because I was crap at my job or I wasn't trying to find jobs. There were just no jobs to be had. I, I would check the job boards every single day and nothing. Um, it was very scary. So, um, yeah, it, it made me feel like the problem was me even though clearly the problem was the economy and the fact that um, most companies at that time were outsourcing uh, devs from other countries because it was cheaper. So um, at some point I was able to find a job, uh, luckily, but what I would do then, and I think a lot of people <laughs> did this because they had to, was that I would apply for and take jobs that I was overqualified for because I felt like um, maybe I had tried a position that I wasn't ready for yet or something like that. But the problem was, was that I wanted to lead people and as a dev, people wanted me to stay in my box. So if there are any managers listening to this, please support employees who go outside of their job description. I, I had so many coworkers who, you know, hated me because I was, I was doing stuff that I wasn't supposed to, to help. Um, anyway, that was just all a part of my depression at the time and just anxiety. I, I have had panic attacks at work in person, like multiple times. So when I have one, I go to the bathroom because nobody ever has a quiet room. I think that every organization, if you have people working in person, um, you need to have a quiet room if people are having panic attacks or just need a moment of reflection, clarity, whatever. Um, yeah, it would be nice. So I would spend time in the bathroom just sobbing and shaking and hyperventilating. Um, this actually happened to me a couple years ago, and it took me 45 minutes to pull myself together enough that I could grab my stuff and leave because that's what I needed to do. Um, I've also felt like jobs, um, when, when I'm not truthful about what's happening, they overwhelmingly have thought that I was an alcoholic because the stutter plus the, you know, um, calling out a whole lot and I just looked depressed all of the time. People equated those things to alcoholism. So that was great. <laughs> so not only was I, you know, uncomfortable at work, I had people gossiping about me 
and talking about how I'm an alcoholic and I'm a terrible person, um, which was awful. And I, I know about this because they told me someone, my coworker once actually called me at home to yell at me. I have had some experiences, y'all, like people can be absolute garbage. Um, but I just, I guess I persevered because I, I had to, um, I, I needed money to live, you know, I had to pay my bills and I had to eat. Um, so I just went through job after job and it was not fun. And there were a lot of jobs that I was only at for a couple weeks or even a couple hours, one of them. And I just, you know, that's not good for anyone. It's not good for your confidence or your um, just health overall. And one of the other things I thought at the time was that I was a crap coder because people had told me that um, and people made me feel like I should not be in tech. I think this is a pretty common occurrence among women, especially, um, you know, it's the boys only club and stuff like that. So early on in my career, um, at the first job I had, I, my boss was a creep. Uh, he was much older. He was in his sixties. I was what, 22, probably just out of college. And he would, you know, try to talk to me about sex. And when men do this, they are testing you. They are trying to see how much they can get away with. So not knowing that as a young, you know, person, I really wanted to keep the job. I was under the impression that you had to keep a job for two years for it to look good on your resume. Don't put your resume first. Put yourself first. If you're not happy, get out. Find another job. Like, absolutely. I can't believe that I thought these things. And I'm so sad. And I, I hope that you learn from this. Um, and so it got to the point where, you know, whenever he would talk about it, I would do the <laughs> nervous laugh, like not telling him in words that I wasn't interested in this. This is also something that women do. Um, because if I had told him I wasn't interested, nine out of 10, he would have said, but it's your fault that I thought that you wanted to talk about sex with me. That's what men do. They blame women for their disgustingness. I, I know that's not a word, but that's what I thought of. So um, it got to the point where he was brazen enough to ask me if I wanted to have a threesome with him and his mistress. And he gave her my AIM sign on. This was a long time ago. For those of you who don't know what AIM is, AOL Instant Messenger. That's really scary if any of you don't know what that is. But um, I mean, I did not know what to do. I blocked her immediately. She reached out to me and I was like, I'm not having any part of this. And at that point, that is when I started to look for a new job. Um, that was just crossing a line that I never expected anybody to cross. How disgusting are you to take this fresh out of college girl who is just trying to get her fucking career started and sexually harass her to the point where she has to leave. Like, he would have never thought that any of that was his fault, ever. And I didn't tell HR, I didn't tell anyone, this is also very common, this is a thing that women do, because when we do speak out, Blizzard, I'm looking at you, um, we're blamed. We're blamed for 
you know, having the audacity to stand up for ourselves and um, just know that your your feelings are valid, your experiences are valid. And if you want to speak out, you absolutely should, because if we don't talk about these things, they will continue happening. So then after I left that job at my second job, um, I... I had a manager who was 28 um, and I was 22 still because I didn't stay at that last job too long. Um, and he did the same thing. He would talk to me about sex. I didn't know what to do. I was uncomfortable. I would laugh and blah, blah, blah. Um, he even started to drive me to work because I lived really, really far away and he lived close to me. And without him driving me, I had to take two trains and it would have taken an hour and a half each way and stuff like that. It never occurred to me that he did that because he was hoping I would invite him in to have sex with me, which, you know, life isn't a porno guy. That, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to invite my boss to my apartment to come in and have sex with me. That is not going to happen. Oh, so again, you know, I'm like laughing nervously, um, not actually saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and so one day he decided to bring in his porn collection on DVDs to share with me so I could take home and I could watch them and I could tell him what I thought what the fuck? What in the actual fuck? That was my experience at my very first two jobs in tech. Why did I stay? <laughs> I love to code. So no one is ever going to take, take that away. Um, I've also had other experiences where men would touch me you know, would come up behind me and start massaging my shoulders. Now, guys, don't ever come up to a woman behind her and touch her in any way. Don't. Don't lean in and whisper in her ear from behind. If we don't see you coming, that is not okay. I've also had guys at work um, rub my back where my bra strap is and fingered it in a very suggestive way that made me really uncomfortable. I thought that this stuff would stop when I was older, but it kept continuing and I just decided I'm, I'm going to work from home and just avoid it altogether. But then I had men asking me to send them a picture of me. So, I mean, it just, I mean, it's helped, of course, that uh, they can't physically touch me. But they can, men can still harass women from afar, from the internet. And it's so inappropriate. I can't, I'll never understand when this happens, why they think this is appropriate. Why would you, you have a mom, right? Everybody has a mom. You have sisters, aunts, whatever, any women in your life, would you go up to them and finger their bra strap or share your porn with them? You know, like, <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm talking about all of this is because, um, this continued to happen at a number of jobs. And then when I was, 25, I again felt suicidal. I felt like um, I would never have a career because I was, I don't know, a, a terrible person because I was not worth um, space on this earth. I really, really struggled. I'm sorry, now I'm starting to cry. 
I really struggled with these thoughts. I'm, I'm just so sad that this happened to me and I don't want it to happen to anyone else. So around that time, I was at my lowest low that I've had in my entire life. I just, I couldn't anymore. Um, and I was hospitalized for the third and hopefully last time. Um, and that time it was my choice. You know, I wasn't a teenager. I was an adult. I knew that I needed help. I knew that if I wasn't helped, then I would kill myself. So after I was out of the hospital, I, I had to find a job because I had to pay for the hospital because I didn't have insurance at the time. This is another thing I really want to talk about how in the United States, um, your health insurance is tied to your employment, which is absolute bullshit. Think about the situation I was in. I literally had um, mental health issues. I was under the care of psychiatrists and, and therapists. And even so I had to find a job so that I could get insurance so that I could pay for my treatment after trying to kill myself. So that's bullshit. That's pretty much the worst. Um, I really hate that. Imagine if we had a structure that was a lot more open, like almost every other country has, honestly. Um, then I wouldn't have had to struggle through everything. I wouldn't have had to find a job when I wasn't ready. So the job roulette continued. And the job roulette continued until this past year when I finally became an entrepreneur and I can, you know, count on that. One of the things I went through um, with jobs ar around that time was that I didn't feel like I could tell anybody what was really happening. I was still hiding my stutter. I wasn't telling anybody about that. I was still hiding or I was always hiding um, the fact that I had mental illnesses. Um, and so that just comes from there's a stigma about mental illness and that people perceive mental illness as weakness or as, you know, craziness. I'm, I'm a crazy woman. I'm too emotional. I'm blah, blah, blah. Oh, I've been told I'm too emotional. It's so many jobs. And I was just thinking about this one job where this guy I worked with, whenever he would get a bad code review, he would walk or like walk, walk with purpose up the hallway, talking very angrily and loudly as to why that code review was horseshit. Um, and yet I was told I was too emotional. So I don't remember where I was going with that. My mind is a jumble talking about all of this, but um, it is no different from what I talk about in therapy. So, um, so for the next uh, 17 years, 15, 16 years, I decided that I wasn't mentally ill, that I stopped taking all meds. Um, and I tried to proceed that way. And that worked to an extent. Um, it was an incredible struggle, though. There were times at work when I felt like screaming. I felt like I was going to have a bipolar meltdown right at work. Some of the times I would 
you know, find a empty office that had, you know, a pillow or a chair that I could shove my face in to muffle the noise of my screaming. So I think a lot of people would listen to this who have worked with me and had no clue that any of this was happening because nobody with mental illness pretends to be mentally ill. We pretend to be okay. We put on a facade. We smile. We nod. We act like everything's fine. This is totally normal that I'm like this. So um, last year at the start of COVID, I was already feeling like I needed to talk to a therapist at least. I had been feeling like that for a good three years. I had, I feel like I started to feel that way in 2016 and I didn't actually take action on it until 2020. But in 2016, while I was going through more job roulette, um, I talked to my general uh, practitioner um, about my mental health issues and I got him to prescribe Xanax. Um, I, I asked for it because I knew that, you know, it's good. <laughs> it is a narcotic, people. I do not suggest it, but it, it helps some. I got hooked on it. I took it every single day. Um, I was an absolute wreck. And again, all of this is happening while I'm either, you know, working a job or I know that I'm about to be fired. Oh, that was a thing that started to happen. I started to recognize the signs of I'm going to get fired. Projects taken away from me. Managers making me feel like I hated my job. Managers treating me so horribly, like hoping that I would just quit. Because a lot of managers avoid conflict at all costs. And if they don't like you, um, if they have no concrete reason to let you go, then they'll start to berate you. They will start to um, call you out in meetings for some, you know, action that you did or something they will go out of their way to find a way to get rid of you. And it, it feels terrible, but I started to recognize it. So I never let anybody have the um, ease of having me quit. I would stay on until I was let go. There were, I think, two jobs where I knew it. No, I think it was four jobs, actually, where I knew it was happening. I continued to work and I um, started to job hunt before I was fired. In all four cases, I had a job before I was fired. Yeah. (laughs) So. That's a thing that you can do. Um, but yeah, I, I, really, I really suggest that you quit. I think that I stayed on just because I wanted to stick it to these people. I really wanted them to have to say the words to me. Um, but in doing that, I was also punishing myself by staying at a job that I knew I hated. Anyway, it's your career. Do what you want with it. So yeah, last year, I started to have episodes. I, um, I knew, okay, so one of the questions I I get asked often is, how do you know you need help? Okay, well, first of all, if you're asking that question, you need help. You already do. If you're wondering that, that's coming from a place of you thinking maybe you need help. So just do it. Um, Some things that I 
experienced last year um, were episodes, screaming episodes, um, just feeling overwhelmed overall with everything. It did not help that I was working on the Johns Hopkins website at the time, but I, I will say that those people were amazing and, and so great with everything that was happening to me. Um, but we started to get a million hits a day and I was the lead dev. Um, and so it, I was, I was already a wreck for, you know, three, four years before, uh, COVID and just all of these things happening at once. And then my husband's step father was hospitalized early on in March, I think of 2020. Um, he had COVID, all of these things happening at once. I was just an absolute wreck, but I continued working for, I, I continued working. I, I started therapy, um, in March of 2020 and it took me, it, it took my therapist until August to say, I need some time off. I took off a month. Um, and that was the best possible thing that I could do at the time. It removed all of my stressors. It allowed me time to try out meds. Um, so at some point, I, I remember thinking, maybe I am bipolar. Maybe... All the doctors in my whole life, like, you know, five different doctors had diagnosed me and I still had just rejected it. So after 16 years of rejecting my illnesses, I, you know, actually started meds again. So one of the things that happens to people who are trying out meds, because it, you, you have to try them out and and find your cocktail or whatever. It's so awful. But these meds can cause, you know, intense migraines. That happens to me every time I switch. I, I get migraines so bad that I have to sit in my room with my blackout curtains closed. Like I had to buy blackout curtains because of my migraines. So, um, and I, I would just sit and wait for it to go away or sleep, honestly, is what I really did. So, um, when people are trying to work and have a career and they're changing meds for mental health, it becomes very, very hard to stay consistent. So, when people are experiencing that, you will see them take PTO really often. Like I, I was taking PTO like weekly or something. And sometimes I, I took one week, but of course that was not enough. Um, so I took a whole month and to get back to how I knew I needed help. Um, not only was I having episodes, um, but one of the things that I hear from a lot of women is burnout. When you're experiencing burnout and you don't take the time to take a break, imagine having burnout for like 10 years. Imagine having jobs that required you to work 80 or more hours a week, even though you weren't paid overtime or anything like that. But the company believes that if you are making, you know, six 
figures that they own your whole life and they don't. So I was experiencing um, just, I was irritable all the time. I couldn't concentrate on things, which I think is also a reason why I lost so many jobs because I couldn't concentrate. I'm a coder. Like if you're a coder who can't concentrate, that is bad. That's really bad. Um, so it would take me a long time to code stuff because I would overcomplicate it, you know, and I would set myself up for failure. And then the jobs I would at, I, I was at would also set me up for failure. Um, but I do take the I guess, credit or whatever for losing as many jobs as I had. There were times when it wasn't the company and probably if I had told them, it, you know, would have ended differently. Um, something that people do who, who have mental health disorders is what is called other blaming. We don't want to expose ourselves and our flaws and um, take the um, step to control our own emotions. We believe that it's, it's other people who are, are causing all of this. And while other people do influence our mental health, ultimately, it is up to us individually to take care of it. No manner of external force will ever fix what's wrong internally. Not what's wrong. What's, what's out of sorts internally. Um, because again, if you have a mental illness, nothing is wrong with you. You're just experiencing something. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was um, irritable. Lack of sleep is a big one. If you are not sleeping on a regular basis, um, you have to take a break. Please take a break. Please take care of yourself. Sleep and eating properly are two of the best ways that you can handle mental health overall. Excuse me. So um, this episode's going on long, but I think it's important to talk about these things. So then once I did take care of my mental health um, in 2020, I had a therapist and a psychiatrist that I, um, I am working with still. Um, I cultivated a support team for myself. Um, a lot of people in my family experience um, a lot of the same stuff that I do. So I would talk to people and um, I don't know, through that, it was interesting. I, I started to be more open about it publicly. Like, um, this is not the first time I have talked through um, and told people that I, I have anxiety and I'm bipolar you know, um, these are things that I hid for a really long time. But the thing about hiding things is that oftentimes you have to lie to cover it. And if you lie enough, it snowballs and you can't tell your lies apart. And sometimes if you lie so much, you're actually lying to yourself and causing you to think that <laughs> something um, actually happened that did not. So that's also something I have experienced. But through talking about it openly on Twitter and LinkedIn, a lot of people reach out 
to me. Um, a lot of them say that they can't talk about it publicly, but just were reaching out because they appreciated my candidness on on this topic and wanted to tell me that that they also have struggled and a lot of them for years like way before covid you know so again look around the people that you work with you have no idea who's struggling and who's not because we all act like everything's okay all of the time um and I'm not saying that you should just walk up to a stranger and be like, hi, I'm bipolar. No, that's probably not what you want to do. But with work, I think that it is important for companies to promote mental health in the workplace. There are a lot of ways you can. Um, one of the biggest ways, please talk about it openly. Have a Slack channel or Teams or whatever that um, just allows people a safe space to talk, allows people the time to let their coworkers know what's happening. With COVID, a lot of um, people I worked with tried to start conversations and management would stop it. Now, that is a very old um, tactic to take because of the stigma. But the only way to reduce the stigma or remove it is to talk about mental health openly so that people know it can affect anybody. It doesn't have to be a person who is hospitalized and screaming. It can be anybody. I've, I've talked to so many people I would have never, ever thought. And I'm pretty trained in, you know, figuring out what's happening. Um, but it would just really help to reduce um, the stress of having to hide something. And hiding things mentally is not good for people. It's not good to feel like you have a secret. I always hated that. So um, another thing I like to see is when companies um, incorporate discussions on mental health in actual like staff meetings. That's a good way to show that like management is interested in having these conversations. They're sharing stories of their own struggles or people um, they know who have struggled. Um, and a lot of companies also offer mental health support services. That's pretty standard in the US. I, I've never taken up on that. I even even when I took off for a month last year, I found my own care. I didn't go through work um, because I felt like I didn't want work to know or to have access to my like records and stuff like that. That's, you know, not safe. Um, and companies should also really, especially right now, be very cognizant of reducing workplace stress. We've all been going through this pandemic for way too long. It will turn into an endemic at some point. And it just, it has affected so many people. I know people who, you know, whose parents have passed, both of them. And it just the... Um, strain on all of us all the time right now is a lot. And it would really help for companies to come together, you know, talk it through. This would promote camaraderie, teamwork. There's all sorts of stuff, except for the people who aren't comfortable 
talking and then that's fine. They don't have to talk. It's absolutely fine. Um, and it just, there are a lot of changes that need to happen, um, at work to support mental health. Um, actually have a course on this, um, on Pluralsight. Uh, the course is called Increasing Mental Health Awareness for Improved Inclusiveness. I will leave a link in the, um, show notes and, uh, you can actually watch it for free, um, with a trial as well. And I am very proud to be a Pluralsight author. This topic, the, I, I didn't pitch this topic. This was a topic that they were looking for a person to teach. And so I was, I am that person. I am the person to talk about mental health. They support me so much that this month, they're having a whole campaign where I'm in a podcast and a webinar to promote mental health in the workplace. They're very supportive. Obviously, they want to have these conversations. They want people to know that they're not alone. They want companies to know how to handle this stuff. So it's very important to me. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you found all of this helpful and that you will seek help if you need it. Again, I'll have links for um, mental health resources in multiple countries in the show notes. Please take care of yourselves. You're not alone. If you ever have to talk, I'm, I'm here. Reach out. Thanks.